What is the end goal of spiritual growth? What does it really mean to connect to your higher self? We explore the process of spiritual change and development right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Oh, hi, come in. Hey, hey. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having us. And it's such a lovely day outside. I just grabbed Curtis and was like, we have to go just see what has Jonathan found today or most recently this week in your editing work. So lay it on us. Hopefully the inner landscape will rival the beauty outside and make it <laughs> yes. worth your while. There are, there are many beautiful days every year, but none of them compares to the beauty we find in these gems you dig up. So hit us. Yes. All right. So the passages that caught my eye this time were on the theme. It's fun to find passages that are on a certain theme. Mm. And this one I would call spiritual change and development, which in a way is kind of nice. the whole game, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. This first passage is, um, especially for people who are more familiar with Swedenborg, I don't know if you guys have bumped into these phrases, I'm sure you have, where Swedenborg talks, he contrasts the good of faith or good from faith and the good of charity. And I have wondered about that forever. Like, what? What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. And I finally found, it was one of the great things about editing, is you find a passage that, oh, he said it. He he said what it is. <laughs> right. Like how you couldn't have dug it up on purpose. It just like comes to you. That's right. Just in your daily walk, you encounter it. Anyone can see how the case stands, he's been talking about something, simply from this general rule concerning neighborly love. Everything, whatever, that you want people to do for you you do likewise for them, Matthew 7, verse 12. So we got the first category of people he talks about first here. People who do this by command do good to others, but only because it's been ordered, not because their heart seeks it. Whenever they do, they start with themselves, and in doing good, they are thinking of their own merit. On the other hand, people who do it not by command, but out of neighborly love or because they want to, are operating from the heart in freedom. Whenever they act, they start with goodwill itself and therefore with something that gives them pleasure. Since this pleasure is their reward, they do not think of taking credit. From this, you can see what the difference is between doing good from faith and Mm. doing good from charity. Crystal clear. Yeah, very clear. And I hasten to add that although he sounds a little critical of that first category because it's selfish and you're looking for some sort of reward or payback or something, he does explain elsewhere that both of those get you saved. Right. It's good. You know, the good of faith. It's heavenly. You're, you're treating people well. It's a good of faith. Yeah, that's it works. Yeah, that's what I that's what was striking to me, too, is that you'd think, 
oh, you know, doing something just for your own sake, for merit, all that stuff. But really knowing what Swedenborg writes about it, that it's like, that's where we all start. And that's like a good chunk of the time is we spend you know, doing stuff from the good of faith. And then it's like, you kind of fake it till you make it. And then you have this, this charity, you know, genuine goodness, genuine love for the neighbor grow inside of you. Uh, so, which, which I love that, that Swedenborg is so matter of fact like that, that it's like, yep, this is just, that's the way it's going to be. And it'll change over time. Yeah, and that clears up something for me because there's, I think in New Jerusalem a couple of times, and I'm sure spread out throughout his works, he says that you have to shun evils because they are sins against God. Hmm. Or they're against the divine. So some, the way he puts it, I don't remember exactly, but it makes me sometimes wonder, are you saying that it's not enough to shun them because they're the wrong thing to do. It has to be your thinking that God mm -hmm. has commanded that you're not supposed to do these things. So that's mm. why you're not doing them. But this seems to indicate the opposite, that actually wanting to do something because you really care about the good effect of it, you understand the good it does, and that leads you to want it. That's actually better than I know what I'm supposed to do, so I'll do it. Right, yeah. right. And I think it fits under the heading of spiritual uh, change and development in the sense that I do think from other things he writes that these are developmental stages. Like I think yeah. even the people who get to B, you, you started out at A at some point. Uh, you you go through the motions as you were saying, Chelsea. And, and, um, and I like that idea of pleasure, that word pleasure in there where you, if you're getting, if it really just feels so good to do it, you don't also need some kind of payback or reward, either in this world right. or in, in the afterlife or something, because you're paid in full, just like it was It was what your heart desired and you got to do it. Oh, well, kids will ask you, oh, what do I get if I clean up the table? But they don't <laughs> say, what do I get for dessert? If, if I eat dessert, what do I get for it? <laughs> it's just, That's right. it's obviously, <laughs> just it's a reward. They already know. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, it would be a totally That's alien right. concept. It wouldn't even occur to think, oh, why would I get something for this? This is the thing that I'm getting. Yeah. Hmm. This next passage is relates to our inner and outer selves. And this is just such a foundational thing that Swedenborg talks about where we have these different levels in ourselves and they actually respond or change at different rates from each other. Mm. So in number 3469, he says, and he calls the inner level in this stretch of Secrets of Heaven, he, he's often referring to the inner level as the rational level and the outer level he calls the earthly Okay. The inner levels or rational dimension have been reborn in people with the goodness that comes of truth, that is, people who live according to doctrine, but not yet their outer levels or earthly dimension. So, in other words, their inner level is a head. You know, you can actually be reborn inwardly and not outwardly. Yeah. He goes on. 
our rationality is reborn before our earthly part. Because our earthly part lives entirely in the world and acts as a base on which our thought and will are founded. That's why we sense conflict between our rational inner self and our earthly outer self when we are regenerating. Our outer part regenerates much later and much more reluctantly than our inner part. Nothing that's close to the world and the body can easily be pressured into offering obedience to the inner self only over a long period of time. The process also requires us to be introduced by the struggles of spiritual trial into many new stages of acknowledgement about ourselves and the Lord, Hmm. that we ourselves are pitiful and the Lord merciful. So it requires many new stages of humility. Hmm. Okay, just tell me where, what stage am I at? (laughs) (laughs) Is my inner thing regenerated or not? I'm pretty sure my outer is not. What? Just tell me. Just I mean, I I was uh, the other day reading the very beginning of Secrets of Heaven, where he talks about the different days of creation and how they are a map of the this process that we're talking about: repentance, reformation, and regeneration. And I just have no idea where I am on that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Although I guess when I hear this, I think. There's been so many times in my life where I feel like, oh, I've really got it. And there are states of mind that I get in when it just seems like, yep, everything's lined up and built up and it works. And then I get into these states where it seems the opposite. So I wonder if there's some progress going on in my rationality that every once in a while I have a glimpse of and then going back into my outer self. Yes. And I'm reminded of I don't know if it was just the previous week or the week before that that uh, we had that number that was about needing to just like affirm something rather than like argue over whether it even is something and then you know oh, and right. then you get led into you know you can get led into deeper understanding. Um, I'm just that just comes to mind because I feel like that is that's a similar thing I feel like with regeneration where you can say am I reborn or not? And it's like, is this real for me or not? And I feel like it's more useful to just be like, yes, there is rebirth. Like, just try it out. Let's say, yes, you are, you know, on this inner level, growing some amount of goodness. Like, I feel like there's no harm in just sort of holding that uh, open, that possibility, because then you can start to reflect on like, okay, what is going on in my life? Like those the changes of state that you're noticing, Curtis, and stuff like that. Like, uh, I feel like then it, these ideas sort of come to life. I feel like we can be sort of stifled to just think, oh no, this can't apply to me because who am I to assume that my inner level is reborn or something, you know? But it's like, I feel like, yeah, go ahead, you know, play around with the idea that it is and then see where that leads you in terms of deeper insights about about what life you know, what you're going through in life. Um, And I, in my own life, I feel like I do, it feels so familiar to have that, uh, to have this inner perception or even like what you're saying, Curtis, like a memory of being in a good state or like a centered place that 
sort of had the most heavenly perspective on things. And then to just feel completely thwarted by my lower self or earthly self, however you want to call it. And just to know that like, oh, I am just like totally triggered in this moment, you know, and just to even know, it seems like even knowing is enough because then it's like, I can't just snap my fingers and have it go away. Like I'm in a mood, you know, or something like so things are going on in my body, even that it's like, I need to just uh, take some time or something. And so, uh, that that to me sort of is an example of this of how it's like yep that earthly self has its own timeline like it's gonna take some time you know even like physical healing you know things like that need to happen even if even if our perspective can still stay centered well and we got the answer in this number as to what is the point of life or what's happening in life now it's if we're going to take yeah. your assertion, Chelsea, which is that, yeah, we're making progress in our rational spiritual self, which I like that. Um, we know that the rest of life is set up to demonstrate to ourselves that we are, what was it, pitiful? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I do see that happening in my life, which is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's good in a way. I mean, it goes contrary to all that kind of self-esteem teaching which is which is great and stuff in a way um it seems right but these many new stages and it does it's hard to admit i mean you feel like you'll just crumble if one more piece of (laughs) you know your your self-respect is taken away and yet the sense that the lord is so merciful is a beautiful thing that kicks in as you're willing to to see that and i i just love that phrase about it regenerates much later and much more reluctantly. Um, yes. <laughs> that I just I relate I relate to that. I'm no spring chicken, and it's still a very active <laughs> thing, you know. So, well, we're we're way far ahead. Everything that we thought was an indication that we're we're behind is no. Actually, we're just we're way ahead in realizing our pitifulness. Yeah, yeah, right. That's right. right. There's magic happening I, on the inside. Turns out I had a really good week. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. This next passage actually speaks directly to that kind of uh, undetectability or whatever the word would be. In 2994, he says, As long as we are living in our body, we are incapable of sensing or perceiving much of this. With us, Heavenly and spiritual entities are translated into the earthly attributes of our outer self, and there we lose the ability to sense and perceive them. (laughs) Representations and correspondences as they exist in our outer self also do not appear like the traits of our inner self that they correspond to and represent. I want to hit pause there for a moment and just say, yeah, even though these things represent and correspond they don't look the same. You yeah. know, they're, they're not similar. He has other, other passages about that. And so he's building to this thought, what he calls it when your outer self uh, aligns with your inner self is that the outer self comes into correspondence with mm. the inner self. So he continues, so these inner traits cannot impinge on our awareness until we shed the outer dimension which to me sounds like after we die, yeah. 
And then he has a final little cap phrase that I actually find more mysterious than informative, but it's very intriguing. He says, when we do, those of us who are in correspondence, that is, whose outer self corresponds to our inner, are very fortunate. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, man, well, that's quite the affirmation of like, again, sort of what's the point of life is to have your insides and your outsides match each other, you know, have your outsides match your insides and, uh, and work toward that. Like talk about integrity, the importance of integrity for our spiritual development. So is that correspondence? Yeah. What's it like to correspond? It is to be, uh, yeah, uh, as in heaven, so upon the earth, right? Just to represent what's going on inside you externally and preferably have something good inside you and something good externally, right? What What is it? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and just from those other passages, um, the outer self is just not kicking against the program kind of thing. You know, the inner self says, here's what I desire and the inner self, the outer self says, okay, how, how can I help? Um, yeah. It's on board with, oh yeah, no, we do. I mean, sometimes I, I picture um, how it is with uh, an animal that's well-trained as opposed to, to one yes. that isn't or something like that, where the 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 animal that's well-trained can actually be very relaxed. The master's in charge, you know, you'll be called on if you need to do something. Otherwise, you can just chill. And 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 uh, whereas the the animal is kind of going crazy and out of control, uh, it is not in alignment. Uh, and I think about that often, actually, as kind of an analogy. That's how my outer self strikes me a lot of the time, is that it's tremendous obsession with, you know, food and, you know, simple pleasures or, or whatever. Uh, it, it, it seems that way. My dog was going crazy today, but the trash people were about to attack our house. So he <laughs> stopped that. Well, from that's happening. good that they, that, <laughs> to protect against So that. once in a while, you need to do what you need to do. Yeah. I was thinking of like, the earlier number that you shared, Jonathan, maybe that was the first one about um, that neighborly goodness, the good of charity, I guess, as like, that's the end goal. And, you know, Swedenborg does that play on things sometimes where it's like, uh, you know, evil exists in the outer self. But then it's like, well, wait, what's the inner self of people who choose hell or something? You know, it's like actually they sort of only get their outer self or something, um, right. the spiritual version of that. But so sort of the inner self, the true inner self is that goodness of charity. And uh, yeah, so that correspondence is like we've we have gone through that humbling process, the the pitiful feelings, <laughs> the hard <laughs> stuff, or whatever, to allow ourselves to open up to that goodness, um, neighborly love and that sort of thing. Um, and so then when we do, that's that's us corresponding, I think, right? Sounds right. Yeah. And then we're fortunate, like Swedenborg said. 
very fortunate. They're, they're the fortunate ones. <laughs> and I think that about we're pitiful and the Lord is merciful, it, it's hard to think Swedenborg didn't go through that. You know, I mean, he does sound like yeah. he was really humbled and that was part of what opened him up to this amazing message was that he was willing to let go of some image of himself as, you know, in every way an amazing or wonderful person or something like that. Right. That switch from like thinking it's you, that it's all you versus realizing, oh, wait, no, this is not me. I'm, yeah. you know, this, this is God in me. The divine love is where all this comes from. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I think Swede, Swedenborg being a recovering prideaholic is everywhere in his writings. It just <laughs> yeah. seems like he's often uh, making uh, <laughs> veiled comments about his previous state of mind. It just seems like that was a huge thing to him. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. <laughs> he was on the journey and we are all on the journey and boy was it great to get to hear about the journey with you Jonathan this week and hear about these the changes in our process of development. So more power to all of us to keep keep on keeping on. That's right. Well, thanks so much, both of you, Jonathan and Curtis, and I look forward to next time. I can't wait. It was delightful. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. And thank you for listening.